Good morning, family. Today's text is profound on many levels. And it's profound because God reveals something in this text that he does not do in any other portion of Scripture. For example, in the first portion of our narrative today, we see God using the political systems of this world to fulfill prophecy concerning the location, the birth location of the Messiah. See, according to the Bible, it was already prophesied that Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. And at the time of this text, and in the pregnancy of his servant Mary, her and Joseph were living in Nazareth. So God needed to get Jesus into the location where it was already prophesied that he was going to be born. Joseph's hometown was Bethlehem. So in this portion of the scripture, we see God moving Joseph and Mary from one location to the prophesied location where the birth was to occur. This is powerful. So what God did is he used Caesar's census that only happened once in a while when they would count the demographics of people and they would have to register according to the place in which they were born. God did that so that his word would be fulfilled. But there's something else important that happens in this narrative. He had to have Mary give birth to Jesus outside in a stable. Here we see what I call is the heart of God about what ministry looks like, real ministry, before Jesus even gets going with his earthly ministry, the first ministry he has is to be born outside. This is incredible. And it's incredible to me because God is the creator of the universe. He could have created a castle with golden streets, with servants like angels running to and fro, bringing the best to the nursery that the king of kings was going to sleep in. But instead, you know what he would do? He would deny Joseph and Mary the earthly quarters of a king or queen and have her give birth to her baby outside in the fields under the canopy of heaven for all of the angels and humanity to see. The Bible says that they came to Bethlehem and there was no room for them in the end. I like to say it this way. The local motels were filled with travelers and nobody at that time of the census would give a little pregnant teenage girl a room. So the innkeeper offered his stable behind his, lo his local inn where the animals were kept. Why is that significant? Well, it's significant because God is teaching me in this passage, it doesn't matter where you lay your head, just be ready to deliver the word when it's time to bring it forth. I pray you tuck that away and take it home. Thirdly, I see in this passage, there's an issue with her journey. Mary was nine months pregnant. In nine months pregnant, she traveled, ladies, on the back of a donkey 
From one, thank you, sister. I see the amen right there. From one city to another, over mountains, over hills, over valleys. Can you imagine how uncomfortable she was? But we never find her complaining about her assignment. She went where God said she was to go. And she rolled on the provisions that God had provided for her. And although she was no, no doubt uncomfortable, and although perhaps she was even tired, and although she was poor, guess what, ladies? She was ready when God said it was time to deliver the miracle that he had placed inside of her for his honor and his glory. I learned in this narrative right here, Pastor John, that a good servant will carry the word regardless of provisions, regardless of proximity, regardless of position, posture, personhood, plans or priorities. Mary was on a mission and the mission was to do the will of God. And that was the most important thing she could do for him in the earth. God is teaching me, RCC, in this passage, that a ministry of humility is the way he started his son's ministry. His son's ministry was void of pomp and circumstances. He wasn't looking for the TikTok reviews, the YouTube clips. He was not about that. His ministry was one of humility. And we, too, should have a ministry that's filled with humility. Our ministry as a church should be modeled after the Savior. We too should embrace our lowly beginning and beware always, beloved, of the glimmer of fame and popularity when it comes to doing anything for God in the earth. I'm not saying press releases and news articles aren't good, but we should not seek them. This is a beautiful picture of the Savior's ministry. And I wrote myself a note. Wilson, always remember this. Nobody is greater than Jesus. And if a manger ministry was good enough for him, it ought to be good enough for me too. I learned something else in this passage. When God got ready to bring the Savior of the world into humanity, there were two types of witnesses. The lowly and the holy. Shepherds and angels. And both of them were on divine assignment and both were the kind of messengers that nobody ever expected to carry or deliver a word from God. And that's what this text is about today. It's about God revealing himself and his plan for all of the world and doing it with a divine message for people and through people that nobody else would have ever thought he would have used. Today, beloved, if you'll be so kind, I'd like for you to look at three things with me. Let's look at the shepherd's meeting, the shepherd's miracle, and the shepherd's message. In verse number eight, you'll see here on the screen, the Bible says, now... There, in, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were 
greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. RCC, when we come to this portion of the text, you and I have the privilege to see what I call as a divine meeting taking place between the lowly shepherds and the holy angel. It's a meeting between unlikely strangers and God has divinely set up this divine encounter. See, the shepherds in that day, they were what we call a despised class of people. They were often disrespected. They were low income making individuals and they were unregarded by societal elites. In fact, they were very common and many scholars say an uneducated community of people. Yet, this is who God chose to reveal himself to. Can I get an amen right there? Listen, he did not go into the rabbinical schools of the Hebrew culture and get the scribes. He did not go into the king's courts and get the wealthy. He did not go into the temple and get the Pharisees or the Sadducees. No, he went into the fields and he sought out the ones that everybody else has rejected. Secondly, we discover in that meeting that it was shrouded in divinity. What do you mean, Pastor? The text says there was a bright light that shone all around them. And there was a divine angel whose presence and presentation brought them fear. There was a salutation of greeting asking them not to be fearful. In fact, there was a divine proclamation that the angel brought from the Father to give to the shepherds. And here it is. Listen to the word of the Lord. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be, here it is, to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, shepherds. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Oh, beloved, this was a divine invitation from God. And it was the divine invitation from God to join him in observing what God was doing in the earth. Can I say some more, RCC? The gospel of Luke is notorious for divine meetings with God. He constantly shows us that God is giving invitations for humanity to join him in what he's doing in the earth like he gave us at the Harvest Festival. This meeting in this text was unexpected. This meeting was unusual. 
This meeting was far for, for was, was rather for those who were unacceptable by others. But they were chosen by God to be used of God for the plan of God because of the heart of God. Here it is. This message was in the field. And it was with field people doing field work at an unusual time. God came to the fields, beloved, to get his workers for his assignment. God was simply revealing to you and I the, and to these shepherds that he was going to do something amazing in the earth. And they were going to be the first ones in line to see it. I'm excited right there, trying to contain myself, RCC. Let me tell you why. God had come down to visit man, and nobody but the shepherds knew it and were invited to see it. This is incredible because the creator of the universe was working in the earthly realm, and he didn't tell the scientists. He didn't tell the circles of academia. He did not tell the politicians or the governments or the one who had power. He chose to tell those nobody cared about. He chose the lowly and the disregarded. He chose those who society had rejected. He chose field workers, shepherds. He gave the undeserving the opportunity to what I call be first in line, Sister Lydia. They were first in line to see the Prince of Peace, the miracle in the manger, the crown jewel of the universe, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What a privilege. What a joy. What a surprise. What a miracle. Here's the application. God. Change is not, beloved. He's the same today. He's still giving the same invitation to those who are willing to be shepherd-like. He's giving the invitation to the lowly in the earth to see what nobody else has been invited to see. God is still revealing himself to those who are willing to those who will humble themselves under the mighty hand of God. God is still visiting those in society that everybody else has written off in the prisons, in the homeless shelters, in the broken spaces and places in society. God is revealing himself to those who are living under the oppressed, suffering from injustice. God is revealing himself He's still drawing near to those who everybody else has written off in society. Can I tell you why, beloved? Here it is. He loves the lowly. He loves the outsiders. He loves the humble. He loves the rejects of what we might call society. He loves those who are desiring the simple way of living and who have a need for him. And I don't know about you today, RCC, but I want to have the opportunity, yes, to meet Jesus, to know him, to live with him, to see him. I want to serve for him. I want to hear his words, just like the shepherds. So let's learn some more today. We've looked at the shepherd's meeting. Let's look now at the shepherd's miracle. If you're listening, give me a big amen. 
In verse 13, the Bible says, and suddenly, after the angel announced that, there was with the angel. Did you see that? A multitude of heavenly hosts that were praising God. And they were saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Let's unpack this portion of our text today. What we find here is the act of God, for God, by God, because of God, happened and the shepherds moved in amazement at the miracle. And out of nowhere, the Bible says, they were talking with one angel and then a multitude of angels appeared. Here it is, thousands upon thousands broke out in heaven in a praise and worship service, singing praises to God. That, that, that portion of the scripture arrests me. Here's the Wilson version of what I think happened. I think, are you listening? They were already worshiping. I think that the angels have been doing what they have been doing from the beginning of time. They were still in their praise and worship service. But after the one angel made the proclamation to the shepherds, I think that God the Father pulled back the canopy of heaven. And he let the servants and the shepherds see what they didn't have eyes to see. That the angels in heaven were giving God the praise for what God the Father had been doing from the beginning of time. Oh, what a beautiful picture. Do you know that right now, heaven is in a praise and worship service? The Bible says, hey, that felt good right there, that the angels night and day give him glory and praise. They don't have human bodies like us where we get tired. Their praise is always, as the young people say, lit. They're worshiping him. Heaven rejoice at the sight. Of the, of the shepherds receiving the word of God. Heaven rejoiced at the sight that God had become a man. Heaven rejoiced at the sight that God stooped low to come down and redeem a people who were not worthy of redemption. Heaven rejoiced at the mystery of God. And the angels had already been praising him and the shepherds got to see what was going on in heaven. And I wrote myself a note here, brothers and sisters. Praise and worship is exceptional. I love what Pastor John did for us this morning to stop at the end of that song and call for our theological reflection about what really happened at the cross. It transforms your heart and mind when you understand what you're worshiping and why you're worshiping. Look at, what, look at what the angels said in that song when they pulled back the veil and showed it to him. He said, on earth, peace, 
goodwill toward men. I like that right there. Brother Stephen prayed that today, that there would be peace on earth. And here's what I learned. The angels were singing for that. The Prince of Peace had come to deliver that, which tells me that's on the heart of God for us to dwell in unity and to be people of peace. See, there are some songs that ought to put you on notice that God has just did something. That there are some songs that ought to make you stand at attention and take notice of the activity of God in the earth. I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. And here I am to worship Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. Did you hear those words? There are some songs, beloved, that cause you to pause and look in awe and stand and wonder at a holy God. And the shepherds had that moment. Oh, what a beautiful God. Secondly, 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 I see in the passage that the miracle of the angels worshiping was so powerful that the shepherd said, let us go. Let's go right now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Can I tell you something, family? Good worship ought to make you want to go see what the Lord is doing in the earth. Oh, that just so good right there. See, good worship ought to make you want to praise the one who came to save you. Good worship ought to make you want to draw near to God, closer than you've ever seen God before. Worship is necessary when the people of God gather together so that we might draw near to the one who's drawing near to you and I. This was no ordinary miracle. Oh, no. This Miracle not only enhanced their worship experience, but it was designed to draw them to God and then to leave there and go into the places to see where God is at work. This isn't in my notes, but let me put it in here. I think that every Sunday morning after worship, we ought to have the heart of the shepherds. We ought to leave here now. Let's go see this thing that God is doing on my job in my neighborhood, in my supermarket, in my doctor's office, at my university, downtown, on my vacation, on my holiday. Let me go see the wonderful things that God is doing. I believe an amen goes right there. We've looked at the shepherd's meeting. We've looked at the shepherd's miracle. Let me land the plane now and look at the shepherd's message. The Bible says in verse 17, that when they had seen him, they made, look at this, widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it, they marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary, she kept all these things and pondered them in their heart. Thank you for listening, RCC. Thank you so much for your patience. 
I pray now if you don't hear anything else the bald head preacher said, you would lean in on this piece. When we come to the end of this narrative, you get to see the shepherds do something with what they discovered. Every good pastor wants his congregation to do something with what they've discovered. And after they saw the angels and they saw Jesus in the manger next to Mary, they had a sermon to go preach and to proclaim. And after they saw him, the Bible says they made widely known what they had just seen. Here it is. They didn't just keep the message in the fields with them. They didn't just keep it among themselves. They didn't just keep it in Bethlehem. They didn't just keep it in Galilee. They made it spread widely. They put themselves out there with the message that they heard. Here's the the application and the challenge for you this week as we go into the earth. How widely are you telling the good news? How widely are you sharing what the Lord has shown for you? How are you using your TikTok, your text message, your Facebook post, your tweet, 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 what, you know, okay. How are you using, how widely, how widely are you using it, beloved? How broad is your reach? How far will you travel? How much will you give for the gospel to be proclaimed to the end of the earth? The Bible says, so you know I'm not making it up. They widely proclaimed the good news. And here's the good part. Everybody who heard it marveled at this thing. The good translation right there is they were astonished at the message that these shepherds shared. Well, I'm closing now, but I can't leave without sharing this last portion of the pericope. While they were astonished and marveled, the Bible says, but... Mary, she kept all of these things and she pondered them in her heart. Well, I don't think it means that Mary wasn't astonished. I think it meant that Mary was almost overwhelmed. You see, this portion of the text is written in what the Greek language calls an aorist tense. It means that she kept thinking about it. She didn't just think about it one time. It was always on her mind over and 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 over. She kept thinking about these things. And I was asking myself, well, what things? Can I share with you what I think she was wrestling with? She had one angel appear to her. The shepherds had one, but they saw a multitude. She didn't have Gabriel give her a song. But the angels that the shepherds saw gave her a song, right? She too got shrouded with divinity when Gabriel entered the room, but the shepherds saw an amazing divinity as well. And these amazing encounters with God were always on her mind. God chose her. Now he's choosing the shepherds. She was lowly. They're lowly. She was poor. They were poor. They didn't know each other. They didn't have a relationship. God was doing something. And I believe it was blowing Mary's mind. So she kept thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And it makes me wonder today. 
Is the word of the Lord on your hearts like that? Is the miraculous things that God has done for you, in you, through you, and for you, on your mind like that? Do you ponder the things of God after you leave church? Do you ponder what you saw yesterday in the harvest festival? Uh, the trunk of tree, people from around the community that don't know you showed up to your church. Does that cause you to ponder? God, what are you doing? And God, how can you use me? In doing this, well, we've looked at the shepherd's meeting, the shepherd's miracle, and the shepherd's message. And the Bible concludes the message by saying the shepherds, they returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Notice the text says they turn, returned. I pondered on this. They went back to their fields praising and worshiping God. They went back to their lives after the encounter praising and worshiping God. They went back to their lives but things were different now. They were still in the same occupation. They were still shepherding sheep in the field but now they were different shepherds. They were shepherds who were witnesses. Ah, ponder that. They transformed their employment into places where God was glorified, where the word could be proclaimed, where their lives would matter. Listen, these were different employees now. They had been with God, and now they've gone back to those same places and same jobs, but they've got a witness and a story to tell because they've seen the hand of God in the earth. I wonder what your story will be on tomorrow morning. I wonder what it will be this week in the classroom. When you go to the bank, when you go to the post office, when you go into the voting booth, I wonder what it'll be. I wonder what it'll be when you lean in and talk to your neighbor who doesn't know God, who's frustrated, who's angry, who's not experiencing the peace of God in any area of their life. What will your witness be? I pray that it will be one where they'll be able to look at you and say, there's something different about you. What happened to you this weekend? You'll be able to say, I've got trunk or treated. I've seen God work in the face of my babies. I've heard the gospel this week, and now I have to do something with it. They were lowly, and they were holy. I like this right, right here. I was preaching this one time to a congregation in the inner city who had become discouraged because they were poor and not able to do much. But the Lord just illuminated this text for me and helped me to share with them that not only were they lowly, but guess what? They had dignity. They were lowly, but they had integrity. They were lowly, but they were happy. See, money don't cure everything. They were lowly, but they had joy. They were lowly, but they had good church in the fields. They were lowly, but they were worshipers. They were lowly, but they were on fire for God. They were lowly, and they were not in the synagogues. They did not have a big steeple on their building. They did not have stained glass windows. They did not have endless budgets. Come on, say amen, RCC. They did not have people swinging from the chandeliers, but they had an encounter with God. I felt like preaching right there. They weren't in the marketplace. They were insiders 
who lived on the outside. <laughs> they were insiders who knew what God was like. These shepherds are a good picture of the good shepherd who was to come. You know, Jesus would be lonely. He was born in a manger, lived in a poor little neighborhood. We would call it the ghetto of Galilee, raised in Nazareth. Dad was a poor carpenter. Didn't have money to go to the rabbinical schools. Was not highly trained like Caesar's kids. Nevertheless, God had a plan for him. Lowly and holy. This same lowly Nazarene would obey the Father's command and receive power to minister to the poor, to love the broken and the disenfranchised. Guess what? He went out and gave sight to the blind. He went out, healed the sick. He went out, conquered disease. Talk about free medical. He was on mission, the very first missionary of God, Jesus the Christ, coming into the broken portions of humanity, delivering justice, bringing salvation. And this same Jesus was called to be the Messiah, born to be the Lamb of God to take away sin from humanity. He died on an old rugged cross, never once being elected to political office. He died on the old rugged cross to pay for the sins of the prisoner, the worst vilest person or criminal on the earth. He died so that all men, women, boys and girls, white, black, blue or brown, from Asia to Africa, from Afghanistan to Australia, he died to level the playing field at the cross so that everybody born to a man or woman might have access to redemption through the blood shed on the cross. That's who Jesus is. He died, I tell you. And the Bible says that after he died, they placed his body in a borrowed tomb. And it was in that tomb where the scriptures proclaim he took the sting out of death and victory over the grave. And early Sunday morning, God the Father raised him back to life. And now he sits, just like the Apostle Creed teaches us, at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I. And he's given you and I the same message he gave to the shepherds. We're to go and tell it now. Go and spread the good news. And all God's people said, amen. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Thank you, Jesus, for coming to pay it all. Thank you for revealing yourself to the lowly and the holy. Thank you that you would descend from glory, become a man, that you might take our sin, become sin for us, and restore us and reconcile us back into a right relationship with your Father. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to get to know you, to believe your word, to accept you into our hearts and into our lives. Thank you for the wonderful redemption work. Thank you for using shepherds to remind us, Lord, what you're calling us to do in this fallen and broken world. We do pray now that the message 
would burn into our hearts that we might know you better than we knew you before. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.